So thank you guys um, so much. Um, uh, just so thankful for the, the prayers of God's people and his sustaining power through those prayers. And um, just uh, Emily and I are excited, looking forward to uh, what God has in store there and, and just the opportunity to maybe share a little bit more at the end of the day of the service, just kind of some details of how it came about and, and w- what's next for us. Um, and so, but but looking forward to our time there in Kenya um, and what the Lord will do. And so, um, this morning, uh, it, maybe in kind of, of just continuation of what we've seen there in Matthew 28, as Brother Todd shared, um, and also as we think about Thanksgiving, I really feel like this passage, it's been one that I've wrestled with for some time, but uh, I just felt like there was maybe this morning an opportunity to share that with you guys. It's Psalm 67, so if you have your copy of God's Word and can make your way to the Psalms, um, this morning we're talking about the let the nations praise you. Let the nations praise you. Um, we're really in a season of a lot of missions ongoing, upcoming. Um, there, there, next week, right, you'll, you'll be hearing about the opportunity for to be a part of the Gideon ministry and giving to send copies of God's Word uh, to, to this community, to the state, the nation, and to the world. Um, you, you'll be hearing, uh, and you have opportunities now to give to Operation Christmas Child to help send, right? It's obviously they're still up here up front. You can take to help be a part of shipping, and we'll have our packing party and um, opportunity to go and send that to the nations. Um, we'll, we'll be hearing soon after that Tim and Sally coming and talking about God calling them as long-term missionaries there to Honduras, and we'll be talking about the nations. And then soon after that on the hills, we'll be hearing and talking about the opportunity to give to give to Lottie Moon, international missions offering, and how that will be impacted. You'll be hearing about opportunities to do missions locally here, as Miss Karen shares about our food baskets for Christmas. And there's just a lot of opportunities for missions upcoming in this church. And it's really exciting to see that just the DNA, the heartbeat of God in His people, and it being expressed in so many different ways. Um, but this morning, I want to talk to you about maybe something that's not always easy to do. It's not always easy to be able to, to give up our blessings, right? To allow our blessings, the ways in which God blesses our lives, to share that with others. I mean, think about it maybe in just really simple ways. Is it easy oftentimes, maybe for your kiddos to, or maybe for you, to share like that piece of Halloween candy, right? Can't always be easy. What, what about the last dessert, that last piece of dessert, man? You're like, dude, you want that so bad. You're kind of all of you're like eyeing it, looking. It, it's not always easy to share that, is it? I mean, think about this. For some of you guys right now, for some of you, it would be unthinkable to share your hunting spot with someone else. Right? It'd be like, I mean, like that's almost blasphemous, man. Like, I mean, you just can't imagine. Some of you, right? I, I think about you. Some of you guys are like, you, you love to go fish. Can you imagine letting somebody else go to your favorite spot? Right? I mean, but think about it maybe even further. Sometimes it's not easy to share our finances, are they? What about your time? What about surrendering your children to the Lord, the blessings He's given you? What about maybe where you'll live? Or where you'll go? Sometimes it can be really hard to share the things that God's given us. And we're thankful for what God has done for us. But if I'm honest with you, I just struggle sometimes because I'm comfortable. Like I enjoy comfort. I really do. Like, I, I'm thankful for the way like, that God, God expresses His love toward me, but I don't always express my thankfulness back to Him by showing that to others. 
And so I struggle not only really to go to the nations, I struggle to go to my neighbors. And then the really hard group, right? Your own family. Like it's a struggle. And so I I want to preach this text today as, as a hope, as an encouragement to my soul, to your soul, to remind us that God blesses us so that his glory might be proclaimed among the nations, that God's blessing to you and I is not simply to end with us, but it is to be given and expressed to others. And Psalm 67 describes four different ways that how God blesses his people and the hoped outcome for the nations. It's one that he might be known amongst the nations, that he might be praised, that he might be enjoyed, and that God might be feared. And so the psalmist is showing us and declaring and compelling the nations, let the nations praise you. You're going to hear it. Let the people be glad. Let the nations rejoice because of who God is. And guess what? You're going to be interesting to see how does this blessing come to the nations? Well, we begin with this truth. God blesses us that he might be known among the nations. Right? You may wonder, why has God blessed me? Why has God done what he's done for me? Well, this first reason the psalmist says to the people of Israel, he says, I want you guys to know why God's blessed you. God has blessed you that the nations might know him. Look what he says here, beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. So the psalmist begins, and he lists some ways, right, of what God's done. He says first there, may God be gracious. Sorry. May God be gracious to us. Right? It's a reminder that there's there's much richness in these words of this graciousness to us, this blessing us, this making his face to shine upon us. It's it's back the, the blessing of the priest, Noah's brother Aaron, right? Or Noah's brother, Moses' brother Aaron, and his priestly blessing in Numbers chapter 6. And he talks about how God's face might shine upon you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, right? You may even heard that shared maybe sometime at a, at a wedding or something. It, it's, a, it's an important blessing. But this promise to bless us and make the Lord's face to shine upon us and be gracious in light of this work amongst all nations, right, that he's talking about here and he's going to drive, drive to that end is a reminder of what God promised to do to Abram or Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, listen to what God says. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Listen to the statement. And in you, all the families on the earth shall be blessed. The blessing to Abraham was not just for him. It was ultimately God was going to use his life to bless all the nations through him. And this is the reminder of what God's doing here. That's what the very thing God's saying. Listen, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, that your saving power among all nations. And it's in light of that hope that God's glory and name will be made known among the nations. And what's Abraham called to do? Leave his land. Leave his relatives, his country, leave his family, and go to the land that God was calling him to go to. I mean, let's be honest. I think for far too long, we have simply just sung Father Abraham 
and we've not followed him with our steps. Right? I mean, it's easy at times to say things with our lips, but not to live it with our lives. We kind of had that, that question this morning. We wrestled through some of that in, in Sunday school about how does, how does our faith, how is it being lived out? Are we expressing our faith in obedience to the Lord? But guys, listen, God, he, he just brings this blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Again, as we think about this Thanksgiving season and the blessings that God has given us, right? The psalmist is just compelling them. Guys, don't forget what God's done. He's been gracious to you, right? Never forget that, that we don't earn God's blessing. It's a gift. That's good news that you don't have to try to earn it, right? You haven't had to try to be good enough this week that somehow God might love you now or somehow he'll really be glad that he has you on his team because you've really done it well this week. At the same time, you don't have to worry or fret that maybe you've had the worst of weeks. And there's a God who desires because of who he is just to be gracious to you, to bless you. Hear that? I mean, don't we hear Jesus saying to us, come to me, all you're weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you what? Rest. This is rest, guys. This isn't works. This is God expressing his heart to you, inviting you to come. What good words. At the very beginning, I think we need to hear a reminder, this is not a message of go more, give more, do more, and on and on. It is a reminder and urgency of what God has first done for the people of Israel And might that be a a call to us to remember what God has done first for us? How he's blessed you. How he's been gracious to you. The bless us is further expressed in passages like Deuteronomy 28. And Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 6 talks about this blessing of God. And it says that it's going to be upon God's people as they follow and obey him. He says, God's going to bless your land. He's going to bless your cattle. He's going to bless your wombs. He's going to bless your crops. I mean, God's just going to pour out this abundant blessing upon his people as they submit and follow him it's 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 a reminder right of look what he says here may god be gracious to us and bless us and he talks about making his face to shine upon the people it's a reminder that that face shine upon again you hear noah or you hear no i keep saying noah but aaron right and moses there of god's face shining it's a reminder of god's presence his power among us And I don't think it's ever made clear what it means for God to hide his face when we hear passages of a reminder of what it looks like when God turns his face away. Psalm 104, verse 29, listen to how it describes it. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. Psalm 104, 29. Without God's presence, guys, we are ruined. So when God's face is shining upon us, His blessing, His presence is there with us. His power, His goodness. God, listen, holy of His grace and of His love. This is His heart. He loves to bless. That's who God is. I mean, you sang it earlier. He's a good what? He's a good Father. This is a good God, a God who blesses people who haven't earned or deserved it. He loves to pour out His presence. He he loves to bring forth His blessing and shine His face upon you. And it is a work of His grace. And listen, the reality is we love that. But our sinful nature is a lot like Ebenezer Scrooge. Like we just want to take all that and keep it to ourselves. But that's not where the psalmist is driving this. It is a reminder to the people, look what God has done for you. Right? Hear that old hymn, right? Count your many blessings, name them what? One by one. He's just causing us just to slow down. 
Remember who God is, what he's done for you. And the question is, why? Why has God so blessed you? Wrestle with that for a moment. Why has God so blessed you? Listen to how the psalmist answers it. Beginning in verse 2. That or so that. Here's what he says. That your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power among all nations. He says, guys, God has blessed us that the nations might come to know our God. What he says, that your way may be known, that they might come to know who God is. God hasn't blessed us just to be blessing us. He says, I want you to know that there's an expression of God's love toward you and I, that you and I might go and show that love to others. That we might express that goodness of who God is and tell others the hope of the gospel. I shared the story with you guys several years ago, but... Uh, on Sunday mornings, my dad would, would give me 50 cents before church. And um, our, our responsibility was to put it in the offering plate. And, man, I, I was usually really faithful. But we had a drink machine at church. And it had one of my favorite drinks, Mellow Yellow, man. And, and I, I'll never forget, other kids sometimes would go after Sunday school, between Sunday school and church, and pop that top. And I'd be over at the water fountain. And I was like, I'm tired of drinking water. Right? I heard somebody say, man, I thank you. Yeah, right? And, and I remember that morning, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep that. And I'm going to get me a canned Coke. And so I kept my money and got it. And I'll never forget, I got back in the car that morning. And Dad said, Blake, well, did you give your offering today? And I was like, well, yeah. Right? I, I was young and didn't remember that Dad was a Sunday school superintendent. So he saw all the offering that went through. Right? And he knew when my class didn't have that 50 cents. And it was a moment of just reminding me that, Blake, I gave you that money, but... It wasn't for you. It wasn't to go in your pocket or for all your pleasure or that you might have your best life now, so to speak. I gave that, that you might give it to others. And maybe God just generally needs to remind you today that I don't know if you've been taking it and using it for Mellow Yellow or for whatever it is in your life, but maybe those blessings that you've received from the Lord are just kind of getting stuck in your own pocket. It's going in your own drink machine, whatever that is. The good news is God is gracious and merciful. And you may be busted right now, but there's a God who loves you despite that. There's a God who's saying, I still see you and I care for you and I want my face to shine upon you. It's grace. It's amazing grace. That's got a sweet sound to it, doesn't it? But there's a God like that. Indeed, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. So maybe in response to God's grace, you just start saying, God, you know what? I, I know you want your name to be known amongst the earth. God, would you just start giving me an opportunity? Maybe just one a day. Would you just start praying that? God, would you just give me an opportunity today to tell someone? Maybe it's in my class. Maybe it's across the street. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it might be really hard and bring up a name of somebody you're going to see at Thanksgiving this year. That can be hard. But guys, God's blessed us. Not so that we would know the good news of salvation and keep it to ourselves, but that we might share it with the nations. It's the hope of the gospel. So this is what he says. God blesses us that your way may be known on the earth. Listen, that your saving power among all nations. The good news of what God has done. And then I think secondly, he brings us this truth that God blesses us, that he might be praised among the nations. Not only does he be known among the nations, but that God might be praised among the nations. Look what he says here 
Beginning in verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. This is our hope in all of our sharing, isn't it? That God, that people would come to know and worship Him personally. The psalmist assumes that those who actually, right, know God are those who now come to praise Him. Right? I mean, it, it doesn't say like, as we come to pick out songs, we have to try to figure out like, I hope we sing the songs people like today. Like if we sing the hymns they like, then maybe they'll sing or maybe we'll sing the right contemporary song that they like that they hear and then they'll sing. No, the psalmist assumes that those who know God praise him despite our preferences. So that may mean at times you are in the service and you hear songs that really isn't your preference. That isn't like your style that you would choose. That's not on your top 10 list. It's probably not a button you would push on your radio. But guys, nonetheless, when we know God, it's not necessarily about the style. It's about our Savior. Amen. And so we want to sing and be glad. I will say, I mean, I know every church has had difficulties, but I praise God that we haven't had a ton of the worship wars here. I realize, you know what that means? That a lot of you have had to make sacrifices. That's what that means. That means there are a lot of people in here that have shown up Sunday after Sunday and maybe didn't always hear the style or what you would prefer to have heard. And yet in humility and meekness, in a way of expressing your thanks to God, you still sang and you kept quiet and you loved others and you encouraged. Thank you. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. It truly is. Thank you. But guys, that, that's what he, the Lord, the psalmist believes. That those who know God will praise him. That they'll express this, right? They sing and praise God because they know him. And, and I remind us, Last week, as we show this image here uh, of, right, from the International Mission Board of, of sliding in, right, as you see the green dots, that's where a Christian presence is. The orange dot, right, is a place in which maybe um, there's, there's, there's people there, but they're not hearing a ton of the gospel, right? They still need outside help, right? The red dots represent those where no one's there taking the gospel, right? There's no Christian presence, right? And so they talk about unengaged or unengaged and unreached. And so I, I want to ask, as you think about this, this praise of God, hearing, Lord, you've blessed me, that the nations might know you, that the nations might praise you. I want to ask, how are you going to be a part of that? Maybe it's your Sunday school class just saying, hey, you know what, each week we're, we're going to intentionally pray for a missionary. Maybe you're going to adopt a missionary family. And you're just going to begin praying for them intentionally. Maybe it's... One of these offerings coming up, and as you hear Tim and Sally sharing about what they're going to do, and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to give. I, I don't know how God might use you, right? And maybe for some of you, it's a reminder, or from some of you and your grandchildren, you begin to see some of this, and you start to see that orange and that red, and it kind of comes. Maybe you heard it last week, you saw it last week, but now again this week, it's kind of coming back. And you're starting to wrestle with, God, is that me? God, would you have me? Maybe it's through ways of things we can't even really get any thought about. Maybe for some of you today is the first thought of, God, are you maybe wanting me to adopt someone from one of those nations? Maybe you just be willing to be obedient. Say, God, what, what do you want from me? I, I, I love what John Piper, pastor, author John Piper says. He says, missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist. Why? Because there are all these dots where people are not worshiping our Lord and Savior. And guys, that must compel us to go. Why? Because we know how good our God is. 
We want them to experience His blessing. We want them to know His grace. We want them to experience His saving power. It urges us forward. Is it compelling you? Is it causing you to begin considering, praying, thanking God, how might you use me? This past week, uh, each night we try, we don't always get it, but each night before bed we like to sit down as a family and just kind of read a little bit. And we, we read different stories about different missionaries and different Christians and different people that have done things for the name of glory of God. And this past week we read one about a man by the name of William Borden. I don't know if you've heard the story of William Borden or not, but he, he was in the famous Borden milk, milk family. And, and man, it was likely right that he was going to take over the family business and, and become a, a multimillionaire, right? But something came up. And it was the glory of God. And it began to stick with William Borden. And before long, William Borden said, Dad, I can't go into the family business. I must go to China to try to reach the Muslims there for the gospel. William Borden gets ready to leave, right? And everybody's just like, how could you leave this behind? What are you doing? And on his way across, right, toward China, he stops in Egypt. He's going to learn Arabic there, and unfortunately, he's only been there several months when he contracts spinal meningitis. William Borden will never even make it to China. He will die there in Egypt. The headlines in America rang out, just different family and friends who just like, man, we tried to tell him, like, why would you waste your life? What are you thinking? But the... History records for us that just soon before William Borden died, they asked if he had any last words. And he motioned for his Bible, and they found a blank page in the back, and he wrote two words. No regrets. No regrets. You see, it doesn't make sense for someone to leave behind maybe the American dream or what your family had always planned for you or what others around here think. But on William Borden's little small grave somewhere there in Egypt is written these words on his tombstone. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. There's no explanation for it. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for someone doing that. And William Borden has just been a, a compelling reminder for my own life. Am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to lay down my life? Whatever that looks like. And again, I, it can be really hard of just walking across the street and talking to your neighbor about Jesus. That can be hard. Do you struggle with that? Yes? Yeah? How about your family? Is that hard? I mean, like, that's like, I mean, sometimes it's easier to go to the nations, right? Give me a plane ticket. I'll go. Man, I start talking to somebody at family at Thanksgiving about Jesus. That can be so hard. But guys, we must remember that we are serving the sovereign God of the universe. And guys, in Him there are no regrets. No regrets. So again, the psalmist is compelling the people, God has blessed you guys, that the nations might know you, that the nations might come to praise your God. And third, God blesses us that He might be enjoyed among the nations. So not only is he known, not only is he praised, God is enjoyed among the nations. Look what he says here, beginning in verse 4. He says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Do you hear that beauty? The praising of God isn't mechanical, it's not forced, it's not boring. The psalmist says that they are singing with joy. Let the nations be glad. Let the people sing for joy. 
What a moment of encouragement. Why? Why will the nations be glad in our God? Why? Why should you or I be glad in our God? Look what he says to us right here. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Listen to his, his, his reasoning here. First, he says four. Here it is, right? So he gives us two specific reasons. First, he says, you judge the people with equity. Right, so you judge the people with equity. That, that's what the Old Testament judges were called to do. They were called to be righteous and just. What's that mean? That they were to protect the innocent. They were to defend the weak. They were not to accept bribes or not be conned. They were to be a just and righteous judge. And the Bible says the nations will sing and be glad because that's who God is. He's a God who judges the people with equity. And while we praise that and we long for that day to say, God, would your kingdom just come that we might live in a place where righteousness reigns? It ought to also terrify us. There's a God who judges the people with equity. That means that you can't bribe him or con him or fool him or deceive him. He knows, guys. I was writing in my journal one day this week and just meditating on some verses and a passage I can't, I want to say it's maybe Proverbs 15, 11. I'm not sure. Maybe it's Proverbs 11, 15, but I think 15, 11. And this verse that I, from long ago, came back to me. And it says this, that death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of all people. See, God sees our hearts. He sees my heart. He sees your heart, guys. He knows And that ought to terrify us. But the good news is this judge who judges the people fairly and rightly is also justifier. He is a merciful and gracious God. And so how does that meet? Well, Romans 3 says that that moment of this just judge who also is the justifier of sinners meets at the cross. Why? Because on the cross, God can be the just judge that he is and he can judge our sin as Christ bears it in our place. But he can also know and be the just judge. He could be the justifier of sinners. How? Because Christ pays the penalty and satisfies his judgment that those who look to God through Christ can now be accepted by grace through faith. You see, Romans 3 says that God is the just and the justifier. And it happens in the cross. So yes, God judging the people with equity is something we long for, but it also terrifies our hearts to know God's going to judge me. I can hear Adrian Rogers, maybe one of the first times I, I remember one of the earliest sermons I listened to from Adrian, and he preached on Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, that men and women, boys and girls, are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Judgment is coming for all of us. There's no escaping it. It may be today for you. But guys, there is hope because there is a God who is willing to forgive. He is the just judge. He sees you. You're not innocent. You're guilty. But His Son, in His love, stood in your place as the guilty one that you, by accepting that sacrifice, might be declared innocent. It's the hope of the gospel. But He says the nations are glad and they sing for joy for you judge the people with equity. And look what He says here secondly to them. And you guide the nations upon the earth. I mean, this is, this is in some ways shocking. Right? Because, I mean... God's the, the one who shepherds, or the word God there indicates the way of shepherding. He's the one that shepherds Israel. And now it says that he guides who? The nations. People like us. Not Israelites, non-Jews. There's a God who's willing to guide and shepherd, right? I mean, you think about Psalm 23. There's a Lord who leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. It's just hope of the gospel. 
I think one of the things that, that excites me about the work that Emily and I are getting to go do in Kenya is the, the, the opportunity we have there. We're kind of leaving. We, we land there in, in Nairobi, the capital city, and then soon after we'll be heading out um, a couple hours away or more out kind of into the bush. And the reminder is that many of the guys that will come there who are pastors, they have no opportunity for training. Why? Because, one, they don't have any kind of financial backing. And so for many of them, that meant that, guess what, they had to exit school maybe early on or couldn't go to school. And so the one is that, guess what, they didn't have the opportunity growing up and and they're poor. But also that limits them now. Why? Because many times to be able to go to school and learn as a pastor, you have to have some form of education degree to be able to even get in and get trained. So these guys are on the outside of the outside. But I love that there is a God who desires to guide the nations. And he says, listen, others may overlook you. They may not let you into their school. They may not seemingly have time for you, but there is a God who sees you. Man, that's good news. And I'm amazed that God would allow us to be a part of helping God, the nations, to look to his son to preach the truth of the gospel. Man, it causes my heart to hunger and burn for that opportunity. I want to encourage you to consider how God might use you to help guide others to Christ. I would have never imagined if you would have asked me 20 years ago that I would be going and doing this. If you would have asked me 20, 25 years ago that God would have me stay in this place, I'd be like, you're crazy, man. I knew what my life was going to look like. I knew where I was going to work. I knew where my family was going to live. I knew what my path was. I never would have dreamed that God would have had me standing here before you today opening this book to you. But our God's that great. He can use someone like me. He can use you. That's my point. You can't imagine a day that one day you'll be teaching that Sunday school class, but God already knows. You can't imagine that one day you'll serve in that ministry, but God already knows. You think that one day you could never imagine going on that mission trip or being a part of that, but God already knows. And God is shaping you and grooming you and He's working in you today. So I want to encourage you, listen and let the Lord who is guiding the nations. Is He guiding you? Is He guiding your family? Are you in submission and surrender to him? So the nations, he says, right? Uh, God's blessed his people, right? And, and that, that big that, is your way may be known, that the people may praise you, right? That you may be, the people may enjoy you and cherish you. And then I think last he comes with this hope. God blesses us that he might be feared among the nations. God blesses us that he might be feared among the nations. Look what he says, verse 5 through 7. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So notice here again, he's talking about the fact that God is going to bless us, right? He keeps returning to this. And part of it is rooted in the fact that the earth has yielded its increase. God has blessed their crops. And, and the people of the other lands, notice what happens here. When God blesses their crops, he blesses their lands. Notice what happens here. The ends of the earth, they're all the earth, right? Look what their response is. They fear God. And you say, well, why? Well, because sometimes the ancient people were a lot better at this than we were. They recognized that ultimately someone greater than them was in charge of the crops and the lands and the fruit of their wombs and all of that. Now, often they messed it up because they attributed it to some false god. And, and so they would do all these crazy sacrifices and things to gods who might bless their crops or bless their wombs or bless whatever, right? They were always trying to appease them and satisfy them. 
But he says, listen, I want you guys to know that when God blesses Israel and all the nations see how God's blessing your crops and your lands and your homes and your families, they're going to see in fear. Why? They're going to know that that's actually the true God. He's the real God. All these other gods are the false ones. He says, listen, I want you to know God's blessing upon you and your land is not simply that you could have more and more and more. It's that God might show through your life and through my life that he is the one true living God. I think maybe in light of this, as Americans specifically, I mean, let's don't lose sight of our context. I think we need to ask, why has God blessed America and all of us with so much resources? I think we need to ask, is it to hoard and live for ourselves? I think this text tells us probably what most of us know is that God has blessed us. You ever wonder when that might come for you? That may be your flat line today. Mine. It's coming, beloved. The end is coming. Are you ready? Why, why is, again, God blessing us? I think the text is just reiterating and reminding the people of Israel and us that God has blessed us, that we might be a blessing. I mean, think back to the manna in the wilderness, right? When the people prayed and God provided manna, some of them, right, really weren't trusting that God was actually good and faithful to keep providing. So they would take the manna, and guess what? They would take, God says, take what you need for that day. But some of them would only take what they need for that day. They would store it up. And you know what? Remember what happened to that manna? What happened to it? It rotted. It produces worms, right? I think the reminder is, guys, when God has given us and we hoard all these resources, it becomes to us just like that manna. And guess what? It doesn't maybe not rots in our pocketbook, but it rots in our soul. And we deceive ourselves and begin to believe that this life is actually about us and about having our best life now and being the happiest. Guys, this is a call. This text is a reminder to reorient your life on what matters, to live in light of eternity, to not be deceived or confused, chasing the wrong carrot. This text, guys, this again, this is what I talk about. This is why it's so urgent and important that we gather Sunday after Sunday. Why? Because we must remind ourselves that what we see today and, and throughout our lives is not true reality. We live in America, the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. I praise God to live here. But man, it is a trap. It can deceive you. It can deceive my own soul. Deceive the souls of my children and your children. Thinking this life is actually about us. Why? Because you see other people live in other lands. They're dependent upon the Lord. Will He provide water today? Will He have food? Will my kids be able to eat? Where will we sleep tonight? What if it rains and we don't have a... I mean, can you imagine how utterly dependent you would be upon the Lord? But man, here in America, it can lull us to sleep. We're not that thankful. We don't think we're... Right? I mean, we did it. We've earned it. We've made our own way. Guys, I think that's why your soul and my soul and souls of your children and the souls of your family we must gather week after week and hear this word that's why you need to hear it morning by morning to remind ourselves of what's actually true because we can be deceived we can buy in and eat the devil's bread so again you're gonna have opportunities to show thankfulness to how god's blessed you and again it's 
Maybe through giving to the Gideon Bibles to help send God's word. Maybe it's to help support Operation Christmas Child. Maybe it's going to be supporting Tim and Sally as they go as long-term missionaries to Honduras. Again, the food baskets, Lottie Moon. I'm going to go on. There's opportunities you and I have to give. The context of this psalm is really interesting. This, this was often read as the, all, the, all the, the, the pilgrims came in and they would gather there at the festival, maybe at the harvest time, and just a way of saying, guys, give thanks to God. But it was a way of reminding them that the blessing that God has for you is not for you alone. So they might read this as maybe what we call a benediction kind of at the end. Is they've gathered for worship. They've heard. They've celebrated all that God's done. And then they come and the priest reads these words here out of Psalm 67 to remind them, guys, God has blessed your life. Why? Not so that it ends with you, but that you might be a blessing. That God might use your life. He might use your resources. He might use your time, your finances. God might use your life. So if you've noticed, one of the things that we've adjusted in our service is how we end. And guess what? Our benediction now is a scriptural benediction. Brother Todd will come and, and share a passage with you and I. It's kind of this reminder. There's a bridge, right? It, it serves as, a, as this bridge that joins what we've done in our worship service here to our lives out there. It's saying, guys, take this text. Let it urge us now. Let's go live it. So you ready? How is God calling you to go and make disciples in your neighborhood, in your classroom, in your job, your family? How's God calling you to go to the nations? One of the missionaries, Adoniram Judson, is a man that's just stood out to me. His life is just unbelievable of what he has done. But I, I read this past week, a little bit of story, the background of how he, his, his wife, two of his wives actually died on the field. But it, one of his wives, Anne, Hasseltine, she asked him to, he asked her to come and marry him and join him as a missionary there in India. This is, this is amazing. Why? Because this is in 1811 and no woman has ever left America to go to the mission field. Right? Like this is shocking. Like she's absolutely one of the first. And so she writes in her diary these words. When I get near to God and discern the excellence of the character of the Lord Jesus and especially his power and willingness to save, I feel desirous that the whole world should become acquainted with the Savior. Yes, I am quite willing to give up temporal comforts and live a life of hardship and trial if it be the will of God. Did you hear it? What urge would urge some young lady like that forward? Why would she be willing to marry this man and leave America and go? She says when she drew near to God and began to gaze upon His beauty, everything else, right? That old song, the cross before me, the world behind me. There's no turning back, right? I mean, the beauty of Christ begins to grow brighter and everything else begins to grow dimmer. It's the pursuit of who our Savior is that would come for us and die on that old rugged cross that we might be saved from the judgment and wrath of God. Is that moving your heart? Is it urging you forward? Young women, some of that may be you. Young men, God may be calling you. Are you going to urge and heed that call, obeying, hearing His voice, and go? Man, let's do it. The glory of our Savior is worth it. Praise God you live in a church where you've seen so many faithful saints. Yes, some that have gone, but some, man, who just serve week in and week out right here. And it is a testimony my kids were talking about this week. Talking about you, Miss Maxine. Said, Dad... They said you were old. 
And they talked about how that you just keep serving every single week. We were talking about how God would keep us strong to the end. And they said, yeah, Dad, just like Miss Maxine. You see, there's people that live this text, beloved, and they're right in the pews beside us. Praise God that we're in a church like that. And that's just one story among many. It's just one story amongst many. Praise God for his gifts of his people to the church. I want to compel us. Let's go. We are blessed that we might be a blessing. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope of the gospel. Thank you, God, for the strength that Christ gives and the hope we have to go to the nations, to go to this community, to go to our family. Father, I pray now that you would urge obedience, obedience in our finances, obedience in our time, obedience in maybe where we live or what our plan is for the rest of our days, the job or the whatever vocation we may think we're going into or hope to go to. I just ask God right now by the power of your Holy Spirit in this moment on November 7, 2021, that each person would just slow down and say, God, my life is not my own. I've been bought at a price. And therefore, I want to honor you with my life as a living sacrifice. Lord, prepare me to be that sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. Help us, God, now. Give us faith because we're going to be weak. And we just pray now that you'll strengthen us. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.